Welcome to Declaration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. Our prayer is that you are deeply encouraged through Pastor John's message and that God would move in your life in a powerful way. God is doing big and amazing things right now in and through our church, and we would so love for you to be a part of it. Before we join the service in progress, I want to share a few quick things with you. We would love for you to interact with us at facebook.com slash declarehim. And if you would like more information about all things Declaration Church, please visit us at declaration.org. Now, as we join the service, I would like to say, welcome home. Last week, 28 churches launched through our network. Can you believe that? So 32 churches in two weeks have launched across this nation and then even a couple um, internationally. Um, a couple of those are right here, Vibrant Church. Um, I talked to uh, Pastor, Pastor Michael last week after. They had, I think, 276 people. 24 people gave their life to Christ for the first time. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? Now, unfortunately, Saturday night, someone in the next door had flushed some brown paper towels down the toilet, so they didn't have toilets Sunday, but they got that squared away. We're good now, <laughs> but um, pretty awesome, pretty incredible. But likewise, you know, we celebrate that, but we also, um, we also mourn and we serve. Uh, man, we had a crew uh, yesterday. We had two crews go out yesterday. I know uh, Sam and the Band of Brothers, as well as some of the Declaration, Eddie, both led some teams and did some really flood of love response work. We've got some food going today. Just a few miles down the road, you wouldn't believe, but they're having Harvey all over again. I mean, literally, it's just a few miles down the road. Some of these houses are brand new. And because of you being such a generous church, we were able to pour into that as well. And so thank you. Let's thank God for that, can we? I mean, it's your generosity, really. It's just saying, I want to give back to God that's making that difference. So, so this series that we start today is called Frequency. It's really one of our network series, meaning that um, Church of the Highlands, Pastor Chris Hodges, he's kind of a pastor to a lot of pastors he actually wrote this series a few years ago, and man, as I was studying and reading and I came across this series, I began to listen to it, and to be honest, I could not do it better. The, the, what I should do is just hit play on the video, but I figured, well, that, I don't, you know, flat, flat Stanley Preacher, I don't know. So um, we're, we're, I'm going to do it as best as I can. Of course, I'm, I'm using a lot of his points just for full disclosure. But I, you know me, I got to add a little bit something to it because we can't have a 20-minute sermon. We got to have like an hour and a half, right? I'm just playing with you. Calm down. Calm down. But I am going to add a few, a few things. I know that's shocking. But um, our topic today, um, it's actually based on one of the biggest questions posed during our Because You Asked series. So if you were here just a, a months ago, we did a series called Because You Asked. We asked you questions on things that you wanted to hear about, things that were stirring in your heart, questions you had. And this series is based on one of those questions. In fact, um, I think it's an important question. It's a big question. And it's so big, we waited to answer it so it could become a series and not just a sermon. It's that big. And, and so, again, as I, as I came across um, this series, I, I thought, well, there's no better way to answer it than this. It's likely the number one question most asked that people have concerning their relationship with God, and that is this. Um, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I hear the voice of God? How do I hear God speak to me? So how do we hear the voice of God? Does God here's a question. Does God even still speak today? Does God even still speak today? How many of you have ever been like, well, I think I heard God speak. Um, 
I think he's spoken to me. I don't know if that was God, if it was really me, if it was the devil, or, you know, it could have been that Mexican food last night. But I think God is speaking, right? Um, if you felt like that, if you're in a good company, I've felt like that. Let me just establish a point, though, as we begin. It is probably the main and the most important point that I can make from the very beginning, and that is this. We serve a God that still speaks today. We serve a God that still speaks today. The notion that God has stopped speaking is just not truth. It's not true. Now, you know, I know that people like to do a lot of mental acrobats around that and theological discussions and all kind of stuff. And, and they like to try to contain and, and keep God in a tight little Ziploc that's controllable. But I'm just telling you here, we serve a very powerful, big, almighty God who still wants to have intimate relationship with you today. And he speaks. Let me prove that he speaks. Go, go to actually, um, throughout time, we see this all through scripture. In fact, he speaks. Genesis 1, the third verse of the Bible says, then God said, right there, then God said, let there be light. He continues all through Genesis, verse 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, and so on. And if you go to the very end of the Bible, the whole Bible ends with God speaking to the church. Seven times he makes a statement, those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying to his church, it says. Seven different times. And then if you go to the very, very last chapter, it's full of God speaking. God speaks. Therefore, we can only believe we serve a speaking God. We serve a speaking God. I understand a lot of times he can be very difficult to understand, but, but most of us, you know, maybe we, we struggle because we don't know what the voice of God sounds like and, and how to position our hearts, how to position ourselves to hear him speak to where we can hear him clearly. Maybe we can say how to prepare to hear God. So this is what today, this is what frequency, this series is all about hearing God. So let's start with a passage from John chapter 10. I think it's kind of a good theme passage, if you will. And here we see Jesus speaking is John chapter 10, verses three through five. If you, don't, if you don't have your Bible with you, we'll have it on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to go there with me. John chapter 10, um, verses three through five. It starts like this, verses three. It says, uh, the gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Now listen, often Jesus refers to himself. He calls himself the good shepherd and he calls us, the church, sheep. So in verse 3, we take away that sheep have the ability to hear the shepherd. They have the ability to hear God, to hear the voice of God clearly. Look at verse 3 again. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep, what? Hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So see, as believers, as, as followers of Jesus, our shepherd, he opens the door for us. He's the gate. He's the door. He opens the door for us, and we can hear his voice. In this, we see the first thing that I want you to take home from this, this passage. When we surrender to Jesus, understand we belong to Jesus. He's our shepherd. We're his sheep. We follow him. He leads us, and here it is. And he speaks. We can hear his voice. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, 
we can know the voice of the God who speaks. We can know the voice of the God who speaks. Also, be encouraged today. Be comforted. Somebody be comforted. Listen, I think this is for somebody today. It's good news. Jesus, our good shepherd, calls us by name, meaning he intimately is aware. The things that we talk about often, the things that we pray for often, even this morning we pray this way. Jesus is intimately aware of every detail of your life. He is adamantly involved. He has never left you alone. He understands you. He sees you. He gets you. He's your people. (laughs) He knows you. He's your person, right? Anybody? He knows you. He's the good shepherd. He calls us by name and he knows us. And it says this, because maybe this is, maybe you need to be encouraged. Maybe you feel like you're wandering in a wilderness, a wilderness right now or in a desert. He also leads you. He leads you. He's never forsaken you. He's never abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He is with you every step of the way, even in the broken steps, even in the mismanaged steps, even on the exit ramps of life. He's with you. Do you hear me? Are you with me? He leads you. He's leading us. But the question is, is, are we following him? He's with us and he wants to lead us, but are we following him? Um, I ha- my grandfather, I, believe it or not, I used to be a farm boy. I know that's very hard to believe. But I used to go to the farm with my grandfather and we would feed the cows and we would, you know, sling hay and the whole deal, put out the salt licks. I know you're like crazy, but you know this stuff. Put out the pellets in the right season of the year, the whole deal. And my grandfather had this crazy ability Um, He had 88 head of cattle, and we would drive down the road, and first of all, cows knew his truck. But more than they knew his truck, he knew his voice. And he had this one noise that he would make. I could not replicate it to save my life, but he would make this noise. And as soon as he'd make that noise, guess, guess what would happen? 88 cows would start running across the pasture because they knew that their owner, their protector, their provider was there to provide for them, right? You see it? Pastor Chris um, told this fascinating illustration. I'm going to try to do it justice of, of the shepherd and, and sheep. You could have two shepherds with two herd of sheep, and, and those shepherds could literally lead those sheep into crossing through one another. And as long as that one shepherd would make that noise, that whoop, whatever that noise was, those sheep would know. Those, those sheep could literally get all intermingled with one another. But the moment that the shepherd began to speak and go his way, his sheep would always follow him. They knew his voice. They knew his voice. This is why Jesus uses this metaphor. Why the, the, the crowd he's speaking to, they understood shepherd and sheep. They understood. He calls out his own sheep. And here's the second thing I want you to see today. Number two, he goes ahead of them. See, a lot of us, sometimes we feel like, man, we, we have wandered off this, 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 we're into this crazy place of life, and God, are you even there? Can I tell you something? Listen, God is always there. He goes ahead of you. He's already been where you are. He knows every detail. He goes ahead of them. Listen, everybody, we need God to go ahead of us. Come on, right? We need to know that we serve a God who goes ahead of us, meaning before we do anything, we can know that we will be okay if we are following him. We can know that we're going to be okay. He goes ahead of us, but still, before we make a move, it is imperative that we hear God's voice. Exodus 33, Moses. God, I don't want to take a step unless I know that you're leading us. We got to hear the voice of God. Look at verse 4 of John. When, when, When he is brought out 
all his own outside, he goes ahead of them, it says. The sheep follow him because, say it with me, they know his voice. So in order to know his voice, we have to first hear his voice. So word of advice, begin your day with prayer. Begin your day with prayer. The start of each day, pause, pray, listen, be still before God. Psalm 4610, I know us, you know, worship leader ties, we, we love to use Psalm 4610 as kind of an invitation into worship. But truth be told, the tone of the text, the context is really, hey, son, be still. Trust me, as, as a little mischievous kid growing up, I understood when my dad cleared his throat and said, be still, that tone of that. Anybody with me? Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's kind of the tone, be still. Be still, be still before God. In every aspect of life, begin that with prayer. Wait before God. He will speak and he will lead you if you listen. See, we have this promise, number one. We can know the voice of God who speaks. Number two, we can believe that God goes before us. And number three, we can follow him if we know him. We can follow him because we know him. We, we know that we can count on him. We can trust him. He goes ahead of us. We follow him because we've taken time with him to get to know him. And because of that, we've grown to love him and we become um, intimately acquainted with his voice. I can tell you right now, my voice, my, my hearing is getting a little, a little, it's not going so good in my older age, all right? <laughs> um, for years, I've put these things in my ears so I could hear the band and all that stuff. And, and so um, one of them is worse than the other, but it, it doesn't matter. If we're in a crowded room and I hear my wife's voice, I know that voice. You with me? We can hear him. We can hear him. We can learn his voice. We can become intimately acquainted with his voice. And because of this, listen, can I say this? No other voice should matter. No other voice should matter. There's a ton of competing voices out there vying for our attention, vying for our affections, vying for our allegiance. You know, back in the day, American Idol. Anybody remember when American Idol came out, the very first season? And now there's like 93 different talent competitions out there, right? And they all kind of mimic the first one because the first one had such success. Can I tell you something? The enemy is going to try to mimic what God might look like and what God might sound like. And he's going he's to create all sorts of different competing voices that might seem like the real thing. That might even seem like it could be good. But there's only one voice of God. There's only one voice of God. To know him is to love him. To know him is to trust him. To know him is to follow him. Knowing that he will lead us. Because he understands this. Let's look back at the text, verse five. It says, they, speaking of the sheep, they will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of, of strangers. This, this is the third thing I really want you to see today. Those who follow the voice of Jesus will never follow the voice of anything or anyone else once they've clearly understood the real voice of God. The sheep will never follow a stranger, only their shepherd. They will run away from competing voices, basically. They'll run away from them. This is why it's important for you to tune into God, to, for you in faith to begin to, to tune into the right frequency, if you will. Now listen, our hope is to help, um, to help you, to, to help you discern the voice of the shepherd and not the stranger or the enemy. Is, is this helpful at all, anybody? It's getting there, all right. Think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is one of the first passages that I, I learned, that I memorized as a kid. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not or do not rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. In other words, know God, tune into the frequency of God, and listen to God's voice in everything. He will lead you. 
He will lead you. Verse uh, six, Proverbs 3, 6, from the message. I like the way it reads, the message paraphrase. It says this, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. He will keep you on track. So when we listen to God, he will keep us on track. James, um, um, or Jesus, I should say, makes a very bold statement in Luke chapter eight, verse eight. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. Or in the CSB, it says, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen, listen. This is active. I, I wanted to give you both passages so you could see it in different ways. If you have ears to hear, listen, let him hear. See, often God doesn't have a speaking problem. We tend to have a hearing problem. God says, I'm speaking, so let him who has ears, let him hear, or better says, let him listen. I'm speaking, let him listen, let him tune in. See, we must cut through the noise. There, there's a great story that, that leads up right here in, in Luke 8, and in it, I think we're gonna see how to have the right kind of ears so to hear God. I, I think that, that, that we can learn how to best posture ourselves so to be able to hear from the God who speaks how we can find the frequency of God, if you will. So let's look at it together. We're gonna see four voices, four different scenarios. Luke chapter eight, verses five through eight. Let's start in verse five. It says this. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the sky devoured it. So here we see scenario number one. The sower goes out to sow seed. He, he sows, he, he spreads, he scatters this seed along the path and and unfortunately, the seed is, is trampled on. And what happens? The birds come and, and the birds devour it. So scenario one, the seed is, is trampled. Someone stole it from the soil. Verse six, other seed fell on the rock. When it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. So here we see scenario number two, the seed that was scattered among the rocks. It wasn't rooted. So guess what happened? It came and it went. Plants withered. There was no moisture. There were no roots to, to, to really dig down and to, to, to bring health to where it could really survive and thrive, I should say. Verse 7, other seed fell among thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Here's scenario number 3, someone smothering it out from the soil. Another translation basically talks about weeds instead of thorns. Weeds came, and there was competing things among the seed. So it couldn't thrive, it couldn't be healthy. But look at verse eight, it says, still other seed fell on good ground and when it grew up, it produced fruit. A hundred times what was sown. As he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Here's scenario four. The seed fell on good soil. And this is really our topic for today. This is where we hone in. The soil was right. The soil was in proper condition, if you will. That's important. In fact, look at your neighbor and just tell your neighbor, proper condition. It's important to know. The seed had proper condition for where it was placed. It had been prepared beforehand. There was, there was much fruit that was yielded from this 100 times that was sown because the soil was ready. It was prepared. It had the proper condition. Jesus finishes by saying, let he who has ears to hear listen. Let him hear. So again, it's not that God is not speaking it's just that sometimes what he's saying is not landing in the right place. When God speaks to you, basically, where is his seed? Where is his word landing? Is your heart in condition to receive God's word? Understand, the seed is the voice of God. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 11. It says this. 
This is the meaning of the parables. The seed is the word of God. It's the voice of God. These were God's spoken words. So now he explains the story that he told. Look at he, Luke chapter 8, verse 12. It says, the seed along the path that, that of, or those who have heard and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So remember scenario number one, verse five, where, where the birds came. Well, the birds represent the enemy, the devil that came and take, it takes, it steals the seed. It steals the seed. You better know this. Every time God tries to speak to you, the devil wants to destroy that seed. Every time. So are we in the right condition to hear God speak? Is the state of our heart ready for the seed? If we don't prepare and posture our heart to God by surrendering and submitting to God, we can easily end up having what's called, number one, the polluted heart. We can have the polluted heart. It's the first soil that we examine. And this can keep us from hearing God speaking to us. See, God may be trying to speak, but, but sometimes we've got junk in our hearts. Listen, this is me too. I've had, I've had so many moments in life where I know I needed to hear a word from God, but there are some things that had to be made right in order to prepare to get the proper condition for me to be able to hear from the Lord. The enemy tries nonstop to try and pollute us. Nonstop. He puts things in our lives to pollute us. And eventually, it can take over if we allow it. Listen, we all sin. But some of us have unrepentant sin. Some of us have done some things, that, and we haven't surrendered it to God yet. What are some other things that can cause a polluted heart? Well, you know, even things that seem good. Sometimes people. Sometimes our children, our kids, our marriage. Sometimes those things can lead to a polluted heart even. Good things that God even put into our lives, but, but we allow to take to places that, that lead us to pollution. Listen, it's, it's, it's not even about you or me and, and those people. This is the devil's attempt to keep us from hearing from God. We've got to be mindful. Some of us can't have conversation with God or, or, or hear from God because of that unrepentant sin in our hearts. We find ourselves polluted. James 1.21 says, so get rid of all the filth of evil in your hearts, in your lives. And look at this. It says, so you can humbly accept the word of God that has been planted in your hearts. For it's got the power to save your souls. We need to repent. We need to turn from our sin and turn towards God. Can I just say this? Um, it's impossible to walk into the new life until we turn away from the old one. We can't. We need to repent from having a polluted heart if we want to tune in to God's frequency and hear his voice. Let's keep going. Remember scenario number two, Luke chapter eight, verse six, the rocky soil. Um, look at Luke eight thirteen. the correlation here. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. So basically when something else comes along that competes, right? Some, when something comes along and competes, it's like when, when you leave church on a Sunday morning, you're like, man, that was a great message. Yes, that was great. I'm sure that happens every week, right? Or, or, or better, when you leave small group and you're like, man, that was such a great small group. Man, I just felt so encouraged and I learned these things. And, and man, that word was powerful, right? But then all of a sudden, man, you get into your car, you get a phone call, life begins to happen. And it's like it never happened in the first place. We call that number two, the distracted heart. The distracted heart. See, it's hard to hear God's voice when we're too busy listening to other voices. 
It's like when I go to an Astro game. Astros, they'll go into the Astros game. That's a very holy place. <laughs> but let's say we're at an Astros game and I'm trying to have a conversation with someone seven rows behind me and Altuve's up at bat. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. I'm not gonna be able to hear to have that conversation. Can I say, listen, it's impossible to hear God, commune with God, or feel even connected to God when there are too many other competing voices. Distractions. Pastor Chris uh, shared another illustration about his own distraction, which strangely, I think he and I have in common quite a bit. Um, it's, it's called a cell phone. <laughs> Anybody? And he's talking about, and this is where I, I laughed because um, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like he read my email. Um, I've got this issue where if, if, I, if I have text messages or emails and, and, and a little red dot is there, I can't handle it, y'all. Like, it freaks me out. And it'll build up. Sometimes I'm behind, and man, I am trying my best because I cannot handle the red dot, right? And, and man, I just so resonated because he was talking about this because he said it's, it's a great thing, you know? Like, on my phone, I've got three Bible apps. I've got three different music softwares with different prayer lists. I mean, something that can be used for something so great can also become such a distraction. I can have the best intention to put that prayer list on or get that Bible app open, but all of a sudden I see the red dot. <laughs> and then about 45 minutes later, I realize that I've been chiming in on all your Facebook and Instagram posts like, oh, I like that. That's good. You know, it's distraction, distraction, distraction. I mean, it could even be something good, right? But can I say this? Listen, listen, all of hell is trying to keep us from hearing the voice of God. So look at the example from Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 39 and 40. Mary and Martha, watch, watch the dichotomy here. So Martha, she, she's got this sister named Mary, and Mary seats herself at the Lord's feet. And it says she was continually listening to his teaching, the verse 40. Martha was very busy, and what's the word? Distracted with all of her serving. See, it can even be a good thing. It can be a good thing. Now, by the way, this is not so that next week you can chime in and go, I'm sorry I cannot serve. I've been a little distracted. <laughs> Do not use this against us. <laughs> you got Monday through Saturday to sit at the Lord's feet too, all right? <laughs> But you see that. We can even become distracted by good things. We, listen, we can be so busy serving the Lord, but forsake, we can forsake spending time with the Lord. Right? I've been so guilty of that, y'all. Listen, 20-something years in professional ministry, if you will. Man, there are times when I feel like I am studying to write a term paper, and that's it. And I've got to check myself. I've got to find myself doing what I have to do, sometimes with very great discipline, to just say, God, this is just me and you time. Because see, if I don't have it in me, I can't, I can't there's nothing I can say or give to you. Does that make sense? We can become so, listen, we can become, this is, this is a hard one, all right? So I'm just going to go ahead and let me give you a grace pillow landing here, all right? We can become so busy with our kids that we fail to be with our king. And I would say, by and large, that's a big problem for us. Is it, is it not? Can I just, let me, let me get down here with you. Is this, <laughs> this is a problem for us, right? We can become so busy 
devastatingly distracted, busy with our kids, that we can completely forego the king. And I just want to say to you with, with the most gentle, loving heart that I can, listen, the best things that you can do for your kids right now, I, I probably realize the people that need to hear this, I hope they're going to hear the podcast. And again, I love you. The best things we can do for our kids, rather than give them the private pitching coach, is to sit them right here and let them learn how to worship by watching us. Because I'm going to tell you, you and I both know when your life intersects with temptation or trial or turbulence, when suffering or that season, those circumstances begin to press in, I need my faith more than I need to know how to throw a good curveball. I need to know I've got an intimate relationship with Jesus more than I need that scholarship to that school. Remember, the seeds you plant today will harvest something. All right? That's free. Not in here. But just know. What soil? You are the, put that over. You are the cultivator of the soil of your kids' hearts. You are the shepherd of your kids. All right? And I say that to myself too. It's, it's high time that we as the church begin to shepherd and watch this, steward the hearts of our children towards the king to discipleship rather than distraction. Okay, back to scenario three. The seed that fell among the weeds. Let's look at it again, 814. The seed that fell among the thorns or the weeds basically neglects, everybody, neglect stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they say this with me right here. What is it they say? They do not mature. So here, here it is, number three, the immature heart or the neglected heart. The immature heart. It's the mentality of I'm saved and I'm good. I got this. I'm gonna go on my own way. I know Jesus loves me. It's the mentality of I'll check Jesus out at Christmas and Easter. I'm a creaster. <laughs> it's the mentality of, it's kind of like the YMCA God. God acronym stands for G-O-D, good organized direction. It's that mentality. It's, it's I believed in Jesus as a kid, but I never took the spiritual training wheels off, so to say, right? The immature heart. But God is drawing us deeper. He's, he's, he's inviting us into this deeper place to mature. See, it's like this. Um, let's illustrate. Um, I, when I have conversations with Kelly, um, you know, sometimes they can actually be deep and meaningful conversations. <laughs> Anybody remember those days with your spouse when you had a deep conversation like one? Because now life is so chaotic. And then when you have your baby, every turns into... <laughs> and everybody's like, are you speaking in tongues? Yes, it is baby talk. It is a real language he understands. Right? No. It's different. It's completely different. You know, it's different. The, 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 the conversation over a dinner date with your spouse versus the conversation with your two-year-old, with your four-year-old, with your six-year-old, even with your 12-year-old or your 13-year-old. Somebody say, oh, me, right? Your teenager. That's more like an exorcism, not a conversation, okay? Um, yeah. But listen, we talk the way we do differently because the kids, it's all they can handle at two it's all they can handle because they're not what? They're not mature yet. 
Here's the deal though, listen, we can't be dissatisfied with our lack of connection with God when it's us that needs to grow up and start connecting to God. Maybe it's on us. Maybe it's time to to look at our spiritual life and begin to decide we gotta go deeper. Um, But to go deeper, it's gonna take discipline. God wants to give us more, but we may need to grow more first. The Bible tells us how to do this. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Um, God's word uh, translation says this, since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, um, you know this passage, but I like the way this reads. Since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, basically, we need, to, we need to be looking into scriptures. We need to see these great examples of faith. We need to surround ourselves with great examples of faith because we need to be discipled. We need to see the discipline of those that are great examples of faith and mimic that. I was told years ago, hey, if you want to know the sum total of what your life is going to look like, look at the five people you surround yourself with. And I had to look at that very hard and go, okay, who are the five that I really want to look up to? That I, and when I see their lives, I want my life to look somewhat like that. And so very quickly, I began to scope it out and say, people like Pastor Jeff Wells, man, would you be in my circle? Can I hang out with you? Can I even sit in a corner and listen? Pastor Ken Werlein, man, I need you. Can I hang out with you? Do you see it? We need to be surrounded by these great examples because we need to be discipled. And we can be so discipled by even looking at the discipline of these great examples. Let's keep going. It says, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race. We we must mature. We must grow. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. Verse two, and we must focus on Jesus. See, we must focus on, this, on, on Jesus. When's the last time we said, really, when's the last time you said, I'm gonna focus on Jesus? I'm gonna focus on Jesus. I'm gonna dig in. I'm gonna go deeper. I'm gonna get in, oh, I'm gonna get in a small group. I'm gonna surround myself with great examples because I need to be a better, you fill in the blank. I need to find people who are winning at this thing where I feel like I'm losing and I need to get around them. I need to get near them. I need to be able to observe what a great marriage looks like. So I'm going to submit myself to a great marriage counselor or put myself in a great marriage mentoring group. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to focus on Jesus and I'm going to mature my relationship with Jesus Again, not to be a broken record, but Pastor Chris said some great stuff. He pointed this out, and I thought it was so powerful. He said, look at the verse again, and notice I've highlighted some different words. Let's go to that next one. Since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith, what does it say? We must get rid of everything that slows what? Down. Especially sin that distracts what? And then what? We must run the race that lies ahead of what? And never give up. And then what? must focus on Jesus. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Um, we, we, us, we, us, we. In other words, we gotta do this thing together. We were not designed to run in a silo. And can I say this too for the wounded Christian who's, who's got the, the man, you, you, you've got the battle scars to show friendly fire that's come. I've been thinking about writing lately, like writing something. God's kind of put something in me, and, and it's just, again, discipline. i got to get rid of the distraction, find the time, be disciplined, write. And one of the things I thought about writing was, is, is anybody, anybody ever read that book, When Helping Hurts? It's a great book, but I thought about writing a book, When Church Hurts. Here's why. I'm a product of this, but I love the church, 
Why do I love the church? Because I had to learn that I can't go to my best friend's house and say, bro, I love you, but I hate your mother. It's not gonna work out so well. Much like you used to say, Jesus, I love you, but I can't stand your bride. You know, we, we've created excuses for ourselves when we've experienced the friendly fire and we've been hurt by, guess what? Other broken, messed up people that sit in church because they need God. We should not be shocked when friendly fire comes. No one's perfect here. It's not some perfect, holy, elevated, that levitates through life person who fired that arrow at you. It's someone who's probably been hurt and out of their wound, they're hurting you. They need Jesus just like I do. But at the end of the day, that cannot be our excuse to say, I'm not going to surround myself because we need us. I'm not going to go to that church. I got Jesus. That's all I need. And I hear it all the time. Can I say this? I also recognize it because I was it for a while. And I insulated myself. And I got myself a booking agent. And I got myself a manager. And all I did was go from church to church to church. But I never submitted myself under the authority of spiritual leadership. And I never surrounded myself with other people who could pour into my life and call out my stuff. I kept everyone at arm's length because I didn't need the church. I had God. What a lie the enemy loves to throw at us when it's a competing voice. It sounds like it should be good and godly. I've got my stuff together. But can I tell you something? We need us. It's on us and it takes us. We need each other. This is why, can I be honest? This is why we're so passionate about small groups around here. Do you know how, I'm just getting real deal moment. You know how my heart breaks when I hear somebody that says, man, I just don't feel connected. And then they bail out of the family because I cannot keep up with 500 plus Actually, do you, can I tell you this? Did you know in our church database, there's over 2,000 people? If you ask anybody in this area, potentially, you've got a pretty good shot of finding people that would say, yes, I go to Declaration, whether or not they ever come, maybe once a year. And man, my biggest desire for my heart is that you feel seen, heard, and loved. And God will put certain ones on my heart and I'll reach out. And man, when I see you in the grocery store, I'm excited and, and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, we are so passionate about small groups because I know that we need us. You need a we. You need a us. And if you're not connected, it's not because we haven't given you the opportunity. It's because you haven't tried. It's because I love you. And sometimes it's like, you know, can I tell you something? If I had a booger right here, I sure wish somebody would tell me. <laughs> right, Nicole? <laughs> And I'm just trying to tell you, we need us. We need us. And guess what? The enemy wants to distract you with a competing voice and give you a reason, or let me just say an excuse, to live in a silo and not grow. We need us. We gotta stop making excuses and start making changes. Come on, somebody. We gotta ask ourselves, will this be one day or will it be day one? If we wanna mature and grow in our faith, we... We, got, we need a greater connection with God so, so that we can hear and so that we can discern the voice of God as he speaks. Okay, let me wrap this up. We need to repent of our polluted heart. We need to get disciplined in our distracted heart. We need to grow up from our immature heart. Here's the last soil, or should I say the last heart condition that I want to look at, Lake 815. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. See, we're going to call this the prepared heart. The prepared heart. If you want to hear from God, we must prepare our hearts. Now, you might be saying, how do we do that, Pastor? 
How do we prepare our heart? I'm glad you asked, okay? If you want to prepare your heart, here's three tangible things for you as the team comes. Three, tan- t- three tangible things to prepare your heart. Number one, number one, it's simple. Ready? Repent. Begin with repentance. If you have been polluted, distracted, or immature, start now and just repent. Repent simply means if you're heading this direction and you know it's heading toward pollution, you know it's heading toward distraction, you know it's keeping you in immaturity, simply turn and begin to go the other direction. There's no shame in this game. Start today. It's okay. It's okay. Start today. We all have to start somewhere. Can I tell you how many times I've had to visit this in my own life? Every week, sometimes there's, there's seemingly something that I've got to go, man, I need to repent and turn around because I realize this is leading me to distraction. This is not growing me. This is polluting me. And you know what? If it's distracting me and if it's not growing me and if it's polluting me, guess what? It's polluting my family. It's distracting my family. It's not growing my family. If it's not, if if it's doing this to me, it's not, it's polluting you. It's distracting us. And it's not growing us. We just need to repent. So if you've been in sin, there's no shame here. There's no condemnation. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. If you've been in sin, start fresh today and just repent. Number two, let's refocus. Let's recalibrate. Let's refocus. Let's get disciplined. Let's get into his word. Let's pause. Let's pray. Let's wait. Let's watch. Let's be still. Let's listen. Listen. Focus your time. Think through your life. Craig Rochelle said, what life are you waiting on? Start now. Start now. If you want to hear God speaking Get disciplined and prepare your heart. Repent, refocus. If you haven't been disciplined, that's okay. There's no shame in that game. Start today. Start today. Remember, God is speaking always, and he wants to speak to you. He really does. Lastly, number three, we're just going to say revive or renew. Ask God to renew you. And can I say this? Listen, he will. He is so faithful and so gentle and so loving. He is standing by waiting. Somehow as he continues to keep the cosmos spinning, he's patient with you. Ask him to renew you. Ask him for revival in your heart. Second Corinthians says it this way in verse 7. One, I'm going to do it from the message. It says, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. Man, as we close, I'm just gonna tell you, there was a time in my life, I've referred to it many times, I've talked about it, but there was a time in my life where I felt like I was at my lowest. Oh man, expectations. My experiences were not meeting my expectations. I wasn't stopping and taking time to have those encounters with God that I knew I needed to have. It was a hard season, man. I felt like, you know, ministry wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. Family wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. Uh, money wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. Um, so I would find myself literally telling everybody how busy I was, but I was driving around for hours a day, feeling completely depressed. Pull up to stoplights, thinking, man, I need to go find medication. I need to go to a doctor. Something's not right. Looking back, I realized 
how I was spending my time. I, I didn't spend my time preparing my heart because my heart was too distracted. Some of it in just my own self-pity. Some of it in my insecurity. Some of it in my fear. Some of it in my lack of discipline, which led to lack of desire. I wasn't ready for some of the experiences that I was walking through. Some of the life that was thrown at us. My expectations, again, were not matching my experiences. And my experiences, can I tell you, they led me to a very unhealthy environment. So listen to me. It took me a minute to get out of that. But here's what I learned. God's voice truly is clearest in a prepared environment. We've got to prepare our heart. We've got to condition our heart. The seed, remember, the voice of God, the word of God is just being scattered always. Which soil is it falling on in your life? Which soil? Let's not be the polluted soil, the polluted heart. Let's not be the, the distracted, right, heart. Let's not be the immature. Let's be preparing our heart constantly. God, I want to hear you speak. Can we pray together for a moment? Father, we, we just take a minute. We, we repent of the pollution. We, God, would you remove our distractions? Would you help us to grow up? Would you give us renewal and prepare us, God, with clean hands and a pure heart?